Welcome back to She Can Talk the Podcast. I am your host, Colleen, aka Gungly in the building. Um, Gungly MC, I should say, if you're on Instagram, or Colleen Eat Wings if you're on Instagram. You want to see what we'll be cooking, what we'll be sourcing and tossing and tasting and basting. Music wise, of course, you know, you go over to Gungly MC. We got some new, new music that dropped out of Germany a couple of weeks ago. So you want to get that, you know, get in on that. Or just period, if you just want to hit a one-stop shop, go over to doerecords.com. That's www.doerecords.com. If you want to submit music for consideration, if you want to book us for the show, if you want to get interviewed on the podcast, hit us up. We got you. All right? All right. So enough of my ghetto introductions. <laughs> hey. Yo, I missed y'all. I can't lie. I missed y'all. Um, I got some new equipment. Frustrated, even to the point that today I had to unplug all of that and move it to the side because my technical savvy husband who bought me all this stuff is not here so yeah he's out the office today so i'm here working the boards alone now mind you recording engineering music wise that's a whole other side of the house this side of the house is my podcast room we recently spruced it up because i'm gonna be going live with it well not live i'm not not live sorry I'm not trying to be like Netflix, if y'all know what I'm talking about. However, I will be doing some videos, so I am going to get some visuals together, you know what I'm saying? So you can have that if you want to see my cute little face, or you can still just go onto all streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple, anywhere that podcasts are streaming, you can find She Can Talk. But, um... Yeah, so I was just like, it's about time. Like, I gotta, I, I can't, you know, I gotta give them a little talking to or say a little hello, see how you guys are doing, touch a little base. Plus, a lot has happened. A lot has happened, you know. Um, so much has happened in the news, in the world. I mean, geez, you know, I, I literally could be doing like 80,000 episodes based on just stuff that happened since the last time we talked, but I won't. I'm going to start right where we at. We're going to start right where we at. I have new music that dropped, okay? I got a song called Life in Thirds, um, straight out of Berlin, Germany. Now, it's produced by Colossal TV, Colossal Beats, a.k.a. Hubby. And um, we recorded here in the Doe Record studio, The Mint. Um, we put the song together, created it, and submitted it for consideration to um, Golden Sneakers, who also put out Dirty Diamonds on their first project, which is an all-female mixtape, Volume 1. They hit us up again for Queens of Hip Hop, Volume 2. And I am gracious and grateful to have been considered and on the project. So we have Life in Thirds. Check it out. You already know I'm going to show the low love. That's the song for the night. So even if whatever topics we get into... That's the song for tonight. So definitely wanted to share that, of course. Get that out there for starters. You know, check it out. Check out, you know, and if you haven't been familiar or heard anything that has been released in the last couple of months by myself, maybe last year to a couple of months, check it out. Going over to Gongoli on all streaming platforms. You'll see my face or you'll see a cartoon version of my face. That is me. Check it out. Which is a nice segue. Um, the whole, this is something that I wanted to weigh in on a little bit and also get your opinions on it because I've noticed that the older I get is the less removed I am from being accepted by cliques, being accepted by anyone at this point in my life, even family. Like I could truly care less. I guess the older I get, the less I care, right? And then some people would be like, well, Clean, you didn't care when you were younger. <laughs> Dep- 
depending on who you are, you're probably right. I didn't care about you. But anyway, jokes. But um, jokes, not jokes. But anyway, um, something to me that recently piqued my interest for discussion was the new Instagram verification option that you can subscribe and purchase your blue check to say that you're a verified individual on Instagram. So on one side of it, I can understand why they're doing that. On the other side of it, I can understand why they're doing that. So check it out. Follow me down this road of theory here. I watched a documentary totally related, unrelated. Follow me down this rabbit hole. I watched a documentary um, a couple of months now, maybe a couple of weeks back, about the Pez candy dispenser. I don't know if you're familiar with that documentary. Really interesting documentary. But um, if you're not, I might be showing my age with this one, but look it up. P-E-Z. P is in Peter, E is in Edward, Z is in Zebra, right? Look that up. So Pez is a toy or it's a collector's item that would dispense gum. I want to say it came from or it originated in... It originated in Austria, Vienna, Austria, to be exact. So the Pez Candy Company basically was like, if you're familiar with it, it was like a little gum dispenser. It looked like chicle dispenser, and it had like little toy heads on the top of it, and you can collect it. Really nothing else you can do with it but collect it because it's not like you can reuse it, like refill it back up with Pez. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But um, at this time... The documentary is called The Pez Outlaw, and just follow me a little bit. So it was about a man who was really into selling collector's items, you know, like rare, hard-to-find gems and toys in particular. So he would, you know, go from different distributors, different, um, you know, auctions, sales he would travel the globe for rare one-of-a-kind toys from dolls one you know one gi joe that was made and never manufactured the prototype like he was that type of guy that would find it bring it back to the states and go around the, the different conventions where they would like have like almost i guess in present day similar to like the cosplay conventions and the comic cons similar type of activity go around selling these rare hard to find toys, right? Or collector's items. Literally you go in his house. Well, in the documentary, they went to his house. He had a room and to me, I feel like it was a whole house full of just rare toys in mint condition going back to the thirties. Right? So some of them were his, some of them he collected over time. So at a convention, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but the whole point of the matter is at a convention, he came across a person that said, Hey, I got an item that no one else has that you can get and trust me, it's going to work in your favor. It's going to be nothing but profit for you. The guy said, all right, bet. Let me take a look at it. If you have to watch this documentary, the way they went through all of this espionage it make you feel like they were selling drugs, no drugs at all, Pez gum dispensers, but follow me now. So the dude went to Austria. He actually figured out a way so he, first of all, he got to connect in America, got the, the one, of, one of a kind collector's items, was selling them. The American sector of the Pez candy distribution company said, hey, wait a minute, where are you getting these from? Because these are not even the stuff that we released in the States. So he was like, really? 
so these are really one of a kind. So that just made him go easy. And I fueled him. So he said, okay, I'm definitely going to sell these. I have a one of a kind item. Now he's so popular for selling his items. He sells out every convention he goes to. People are literally calling him the Pez guy. Like, where's the Pez guy? He's like in back alleys making sneaky deals with Pez distributors or maybe like ex-Pez distributors that are selling him these items at like really good prices so he can go back and he's t turning crazy profit. Even to this day, he showed you the land that he was able to purchase, his farm, and he lives on as a free man, like not a part of any entity to this day because of the profit he made from selling a lot of collector's items, in particular the Pez products. So... Someone said to him, hey, I can give you an address. If you can get to Vienna, Austria, you can get all of the, you know, original prototypes, one of the kind types that America would not approve. Bring them into America and you'll be good to go. Trust me, you're going to make a killing because these no one will have these. So he did it. Him and his son flew in a time and they tell you it was a time where there were no cell phones there was no internet there was no gps so him traveling to austria vienna austria at a time where you could not use your phone to translate or find directions he had a map a printed out map and drove in the night to the scariest looking warehouse to me in my opinion in search of some pez one-of-a-kind dispenser gum dispensers when he got there it was like armed guards at the fence, all this stuff. And he basically told the story. Hey, man, I came all the way from, I want to say it was like Jersey. And he was like, hey, man, I came all the way from Jersey. I I got this, you know, Intel that you guys can sell me Pez distributing gum dispensers for really low. And the guy said, you wait right here. Went back inside, opened up the gate. The armed guards let him in. Lo and behold, he was in the factory. I'm not going to give you the whole story, but this is what I'm going to say. He was, because he pulled a, um, a one-off type of unique situation, right? You would really have to be thinking outside the box to have pulled off what the Pez outlaw did. He was able to garner success quickly, you know, by creating a lane that was not even thought of, much less considered, right? Because maybe someone else received that offer that he received, but him and his son were bold enough to say, "We're going to Vienna. We're gonna, we're gonna bypass America, and we're going to get these toys, right?" And made him a unique, one of a kind individual. So a lot of people were like, "You know what? It's cool to buy like these Pez out the machine and out the toy stores and get these collectors' items from." you know, America's distribution company. However, everyone can get this. Everyone can go to the store and get that. So that's not unique. But to track this guy down at a convention and is like, he's so mysterious because he, he kind of felt like paranoid after a while. You'd have to see the documentary. So like I said, it felt like he was selling drugs or he was selling guns or something the way he was moving. But um, it was so hard to track him down that when you did, you're A, going to be getting a good um, a good one-of-a-kind guaranteed product, and B, you're going to pay. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay a lot of money for it, right? So the whole purpose of it was, hey, I got a one-of-a-kind thing that's mine and it's worth it, right? So America's distribution company was not too happy with that. They said, we're going to, 
you know, basically for lack of a better word, cut his nuts. We're going to intercept. So they basically put back into, they went back, reached out to headquarters in Austria and said, Hey, what's going on? This violates our agreement. Why are you giving them this, you know, to come into America, this, that, and the third, a whole bunch of legal mumbo jumbo on the back end. Um, Austria was like, Hey, look, we're out of it. If you look at it though, I felt like they had some really awesome prototypes that America was just shooting down. And I think that they kind of wanted a way for it to get into the, into the country. Like, Hey, we got some really good characters and options and different variety of toys for the pest gum dispensers that just will not get approved. So this guy was able to get all of those one of a kind rare items into the country that weren't approved. Guess what happened? They got upset. They're extremely pissed now. They're like, wait a minute. Why is he able to like sneak in these things with no problem that we don't even know exists? And so what they did, they said, okay, they had to revisit. They asked him, they, they pulled out almost like secret service on him and like tailed him, followed him, interrogated him. Damn near kidnapped him and his family at points in time to find out how he was getting these products. You know, these one of a kind from Austria. He wouldn't give up his sources, of course, until years later in this documentary. So that's what made it a little bit more like covert for him. Like he felt like he was like always looking over his shoulder because it was, it became a problem for him. So America said, you know what we're going to do? All the products that we once denied, we're going to approve them now because if there's, if the workaround for works for him and made this man rich, off of something that we denied it's ours anyway let's go ahead and we'll repackage it put millions out there it's going to decrease the value so that way he's not going to be able to um benefit from it right anyone can get a copy or get the same item now and that's what they did so the rare items that they never approved later became approved and later became into mass production in America. So now if you were to go find him at a convention and he's charging a thousand up to upwards of ten, twenty thousand dollars for different dispensers, you literally can buy it for a dollar ninety nine at the toy store or the local candy store. What does that do? Decrease his value, right? So that basically for a quick minute there put him out of business. So how is this relating to my theory with the Instagram, you know, Facebook verifications is the same thing. So at first, and I'm going to talk about like when I originally remember the blue check marks being rolled out and you guys can keep me honest and correct me if I'm wrong, because I've tried several times myself to get verified for different reasons. One, one of the main reasons that I was under the impression that you would want to be verified is um, not because you're a celebrity, not because you're famous, but because it, it could be a duplicate account. Like, you know, is more than one person with the same name. But if you're using a name or for a product or a brand that's, you know, exclusive to you, you want people to find you. And you want people to be like, yeah, that's gongoli, right? Gongoli is a Jamaican term. So my, I myself dealt with several, several years in my career of different gongolis. All men, ironically, but different variations of gongolis. A lot of them do reggae music because, like I said, it's a Jamaican term, right? But, um, yeah, they're... 
and I don't want to like insult anyone else's music or craft or whatever, but it's only one Gongoli. And I've been Gongoli since 1992. Now, if they've been Gongoli before that, kudos to them, because men I know about that, right? So in my instance, for years, I've been trying to get my verification so that way when people say, hey, I'm following the music, I'm following her in France, I'm following her in England, I want to make sure this is the right one, that's what the blue check mark is supposed to signify. Also, it's supposed to, ultimately, that's it. It's verification that this is the person you're speaking to. So as time went on and it started to roll out that like they started making blue checks exclusive to some and non-exclusive to others, it kind of, in a way, raised up the value of having a blue check. It was like you're elite if you had a blue check next to your name, right? Like, oh, I'm a celebrity. I'm recognized by you know, social media. So I am important. That's what a lot of people started to put to later perceive the blue check for. Then what happens? You get a Pez outlaw, (laughs) just like the guy found someone and you have to watch the movie to kind of really understand what I'm saying. But he literally legitimately had somebody tap him on the shoulder and say, follow me into the alleyway. And they follow, he followed him to the alleyway. He said he couldn't identify their face. They slipped him a paper with some information on it, a phone number and an address. and said, hey, if you can get there, you'll make a killing. And that's what they, he did. So he found the way around the Pez company to make money. So with the blue checks, you've seen a lot of these scammers, a lot of these people that found the way around the blue check verification to say, Hey, Gongoli, we know you're Gongoli for $2,000. I can give you a blue check. Your blue check would be good. It would not be removed and you don't got to worry about it. So you started seeing what happens after a while. You started seeing more people get blue checks because they were paying for them outright. They didn't have to go through the verification of Instagram through their protocol, through submitting, you know, actual news articles and news clippings and government ID. Nah, you just paid a dude $2,000 paid for the best. And hopefully a blue check showed up in the morning and you've seen a lot of people with blue checks. So when that started happening, and if you know, if you were a person like myself that was approached, like, hey, you pay this amount of money, you can get a blue check, you start to question other people's, the, the validity of other people's blue checks, right? So now Facebook is like the Pez American Corporation. In the story I told you earlier about the guy with the Pez Outlaw. So the blue check hackers is the Pez Outlaw guy. He found the way to benefit and make money off of someone else's product without their permission, right? Which was cutting through, cutting out the middleman of America and going to Austria and getting those dispensers for the candy. Um, same thing with the blue check. A lot of people said, you know what, we're going to cut out Facebook's verification. We're going to cut out Instagram's verification. And I'm going to holler at, you know, the guy over here who's giving me a blue check for $500. And that happened. So people, so I'm, I'm pretty sure Facebook, you know, the metaverse started to realize, you know what, the value of the blue check is there still because people want it, but if people want it so bad that they're paying five thousand dollars two thousand dollars for it so guess what we'll do we're gonna do what the pez people did to the pez outlaw we'll let everybody get a check 
for a subscription for free for a fee is what I meant to say. Not for free, but for a fee. You can, you too can be verified. You too can have the blue check, right? And your check is no different than the celebrity's check who had to go through all of the proper, you know, chain of verification and protocol to get it. What that does, it reduces or it takes away the value of anyone who did not do it correctly, right? So just like the Pez guy said, hey, you guys didn't want this in America, but I found the workaround to bring it into America and make me money. To stop that, we're going to make these same toys available to everyone for $1.99, all right? So if you want to have a collector's item, one-of-a-kind European edition, just go down to your local candy store, and it too can be yours, right? In a couple of years, it could be a collector's item, but you can have it right now for $1.99. That's all they did. That's all they did. So now, do I feel like getting a blue check is wrong? Or sure, you know, oh, are you corny for getting a blue check? No, not at all. This is my opinion. It's true. It's still in place to serve the purpose. The purpose is to verify you, to differentiate you from an imposter, from a scammer, or for someone that's not authentic, right? So if you feel that the blue check is going to help you be valid and, you know, differentiate you from a imposter or someone else that's like, you know, using your, your identity or whatever, then do it. I would say do it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Like I remember when blue checks became a thing, a lot of industry people, which let me circle back around on this too. You'll be surprised, right? A lot of people will go on social media and feel like if you have millions or hundreds and thousands of followers that you are important. They believe that if you have hundreds and thousands of followers and a blue check, you are definitely important. You are definitely getting money and we need to follow you. Quite the opposite is what I've learned. I've learned some of the most influential people, some of the most important people in some of the most important fields you could possibly think of don't have blue checks. And some of them don't even have a thousand followers. I kid you not. There's one person who is a very high level executive in the music field that I follow, very low key individual, literally has like 297 followers on Instagram. But if you know this person's resume and you know what they do, you would bow at their feet. Like they are definitely a part of this industry and very influential and an OG. But um, it doesn't convey to their Instagram. So if you go up there, you'd be like, who is this person anyway, whatever. And I think that um, that's where it comes to the pros and the cons, right? Like I think the check has also kind of diluted importance and diluted the real influential people versus the non-influential people. I feel like non-influential people would tell you, you know, Hey, you paying for your check versus me getting mine through verification is wrong. I'm cool. You're not. They'll tell you that. And they'll make you feel like shit for getting your subscription. But if you know, you have a business and you know that your business needs to need to, be valid or as far as need to, if someone's out there looking for your business, they, and you want them to find it and like, Hey, this is Doe records. Get your check. 
know what I'm saying? Make it official for you and whoever you're catering to as far as your clientele, your business, your audience, what have you. Let it help it be easier for them to find you. Don't let other motherfuckers discourage you because all all it is is a it's a um acceptance game. Like who's cool, who's not? And you look up and you have a bunch of 60-year-olds following behind each other waiting to um get put on I guess I don't know for lack of a better word but that was something that I've been seeing lately like a lot of people have been like over the moon about the blue check situation and um you know oh you're a fool if you get it you're playing yourself and I'm seeing people that can you know benefit from having the blue check not get it because they don't want to be looking like a herb or looking a certain way to other people whereas on the other side I'm seeing legitimate business people, legitimate, you know, um, you know, YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers that did not have checks before getting their checks because, Hey, you know what? This is my brand and this is going to further solidify my brand. If you're looking for me, you know, so I don't care. I could care less. I feel like this, if you could afford it, you want to pay the subscription and it's going to help you differentiate you from, you know, help you stand out in the crowd, do it. Don't let them stop you. Because nine times out of ten, they're all corny anyway. Trust me. The ones that's trying to tell you that you corny for doing a thing, trust me. They corny for trying to make it be corny <laughs> for you to do a thing. So don't let them get to you, y'all. Do not let them get to you. So I wanted to touch on that. I didn't want to spend too much time with that. But that was something I've just been seeing a lot lately in my feeds. Like a lot of people, you know, making jokes and going off about it. Nigga, just, just be honest. You couldn't afford a $15 subscription. Some of y'all can't afford $5.99 for Hulu. So go sit down. You know what I'm saying? That's how I look at it. Like calm down. Now on the other side of it, I wanted to go. I'm just basically touching loosely on things that I've been seeing in social media, this is one of those type of um, episodes today. And ultimately, it's 100% my opinion. These are not like, you know, this is facts or whatever. It's my opinion. But I also just want to help you guys view things in a different direction or from a different perspective. You know, they say perception is reality, right? But let your perception be your reality. And that's all I want. So if I can help you guys with that today, that is definitely the goal. So ultimately what I'm saying is if you feel like subscribing to the meta check blue verification or whatever it's called and you think it's going to help your brand stand out a little bit more if you feel like it's going to help you be seen or be visible by the people you want to be visible by a little bit more then do it that's up to you you know but make it make sense like don't spend 15 dollars a month and it's going to break you and you're not getting that income or profit from having it right so i say make it make sense but to me i kind of literally felt like they took, they watched the Pez Outlaw, that documentary, and then made a decision to, um, you know, subscribe, you know, sell subscriptions to the blue check. But at the same time, don't let someone make you feel less than for having one if you choose to have one. And on the flip side, don't let, don't try to make someone else feel less than for having one if you got yours a different way. I know people who did a lot of community services. Like, I'm going to tell you like this. Some of the first people on Instagram, other than celebrities that we know, like, you know, the Kim Kardashians and et cetera, when <clears throat> I started seeing regular, quote, unquote, I'm doing air quotes, but, you know, 
local celebrities, maybe less known celebrities getting blue checks. I noticed that it was a lot of, um, community activists, you know, like I have a friend in the Bronx. She is, um, very prominent with bringing like gardening and teaching children how to grow, teaching you how to basically have a whole garden on top of the, you know, your apartment building in New York or in the concrete jungle jungle. So she's basically a urban horticulturalist, right? And she would go to different schools. She got, um, <clears throat> she actually was interviewed by a school that we both went to together, the same school, which she went back later on and created a garden on top of the roof, you know, on the rooftop of the building. So it was like a garden, a, a, a beautiful place where you can sit with trees and all this stuff, plus the stuff that grow. And you would not even think that you're on top of an apartment building in the Bronx. She was one of the first people that I see with a blue check. The reason why she got her blue check, of course, she was on the news for talking about her, um, you know, her style of teaching and, you know, her love for gardening, her love for growing food and, and teaching that in the black and brown community. And she was recognized for it later on. You know, she was one of the first people I seen with a blue check rightfully. So of course I've seen old school. Well, when I say old school, but the OGs of rap get blue checks, it makes sense, you know? So, but I seen a lot of people that did not have hundreds and thousands of followers that got the blue checks before I seen people with hundreds and thousands of followers get them. So that to say is don't let people feel or make you feel like, Oh, because you don't, you're not at a certain level of followers or you're not, you know, at a certain level of someone else that you don't deserve what you feel you deserve. If you feel that the blue check is going to help you stand out, do it. I know a lot of people who are really, really big celebrities who do a lot of stuff and hold a lot of influence behind the scenes that do not have blue checks at all, you know? And when you go on your, their page, you're like, well, who is this? What do they do? Because it's like, if you know, you know, but if you don't, you're just like at a loss. Like, well, who is this person? They own a private jet to Dubai and they're doing this and they're doing that. All this is all cap. But in reality, they're the ones signing the checks. Reality, they're the ones bringing new artists to different platforms. So <clears throat> a lot of people like to be low key, you know, depending on who you are, depending on your lifestyle and depending on how you want to be viewed or, you know, received is up to you. But I stand one way or the other. I don't have blue checks, so I'm not like saying, Oh, I'm advocating or making a story or making a reasoning to get a blue check, to, you know, just because I have one, I don't have a blue check at all. Now I have in the past tried to get verified because I do do music. I do have the podcast. They actually verify, well told me that I can be verified for Kalini wings, but guess what? It makes sense. My name is Colleen. That's my real name. I'm not lying about that. I eat wings. Everyone knows that. But I also get, you know, endorsements, sponsorships from time to time from different foodies, wing, wing companies, wing sauces, like, you know, just different people, different restaurants will invite me out and stuff like that. So Instagram said, you know, you can get a blue check for this versus this. Because, of course, they know all of your accounts. They know what you got. They know who you are. And I was like, um... Maybe later on, like I still didn't even say, let's do that. You know, I could have, and I probably still can, but I don't know about the subscription. Me personally, it's just not right now anyway. <clears throat> However, we'll circle back on that. And also that's another thing. Don't get it twisted. 
just and this is my last rant about the blue check fiasco or whatever you want to call it there are people that still are just being verified through their credentials and getting blue checks without subscriptions so it just depends on who you are you can still try the regular way the original way and say hey look i deserve a blue check i'm a public figure i do this i do that here's my credentials if they deem it's approved you know it's susceptible you'll get a blue check without a subscription they didn't tell you that though so a lot of people would like to focus on the negative and say oh if you have a blue check you're paying for it that's not necessarily true so do not let people discourage you from doing what you want to do so that's all i got to say about that because um i know that for a fact you can look it up it's like everything is information is out there for you do the research if you think i'm capping go ahead and look it up <clears throat> So, okay, I'm off of that. I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit because I thought that was really, you know, I was saying to myself, like, what's corny? You know, you buying in your blue check because it, you can, that's a service that's being provided, or someone, like, highlighting you for having less followers than them, but you got a blue check and they don't or whatever the case may be. Like, what's cornier, the person that's, doing their, you know, due diligence and subscribing to their blue check if that's what they want or the person that's like pointing the finger laughing like, hi, you're stupid, you're buying the blue check. I don't know. It's almost like they say a fool and a wise man arguing you don't know who is who from a distance, right? So I digress. But I just say it's something to think about. It's not that serious. It's just everyone, I don't know. I just feel like do what you want to do and I'll leave it at that. But you can go on all my pages, Gongly MC, Kalini Wings, Doe Records, She Can Talk. My dog actually can get a blue check quicker than I can because he gets the love. He's, you know, he's, they love dogs. They love pets and pets with personalities and Gucci outfits on. They're going to give them blue checks. But, um, yeah, so there you go. That, you know, it just, that's why to me, I think it's comical. You know, especially if you're a person that you you run multiple pages for multiple reasons and you see the reception you get on one from the same company that you get, you know, from a different page from the same exact company. You're like, oh, it's all BS. You know what I'm saying? So just keep doing what you're doing, in my opinion, and do what you want to do. That's what I say about that. Speaking of doing what you want to do, <clears throat> this is a nice segue. Okay. I know a lot of you, and I might be telling my age with this one, but whatever. I'm an OG and a loke. But um, you know that on Hulu in the next coming weeks, I don't really have an exact date. They just announced it, so they, it's probably not even edited and mastered yet. You know, it's just announced. So it's, it's probably still being the, you know, beginning stages, the pre-production stages. Who knows? But Hulu announced a documentary about the 1994 Freaknik in Atlanta. So everyone is, you know, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. Some people are excited, like, oh, my God, this is nostalgia. This is history. Or if you never went, like myself, you're like, damn, we, hopefully I get to see what really went down. Because you hear the stories, like, it's different, like, um, you know, 93, 94 versus now. Like I was, first of all, like, I'm not going to, I was 16. Uh, there you go. Back in those days at that time. However, so I wasn't like freak Nick eligible, if that makes any sense. Like not by my mama's standards anyway. However, 
if you were, or if you were just growing on fasting your pants, you know, I got a couple of homegirls and, and homeboys that were there that were my age, maybe a couple of years older and experienced it. So when they come home, you're seeing a combination of maybe pictures. You would see some VHS footage if depending on who you, who you knew. Cause you know, back then having like a video camera was like, you was, you might as well have been filming for the news the way that camera looked. It was like equipment. You were walking around. You was walking around like a VCR on your shoulder, videotaping the camcorders back in the day. So, you know, you were of the elite population if you had like a VHS camcorder and you're out there freak name. So depending on who you were or how cool you were, you got to see some form of variation of freak name or you got to hear a story or two or you were there yourself. So this is where the interesting part comes into play. So Jermaine Dupri announced he's executive producer. I cannot lie. I'm looking forward to it. Like I posted on Facebook a couple of days ago. I said, hey, I'm practicing my fast forward pause rewind reflexes because I'm going to see if I know anybody. But this is jokes. I'm pretty sure I probably won't see anyone I know. You know, I know people that went, but it's such a big event, you know, and you don't know what they're going to be highlighting. So... I'm just looking forward to seeing the nostalgia of it all. And also, like I said, I never went. So you get to see something, you know, from a different perspective. However, there are so many memes right now on Instagram and social media period where people are going crazy about free. Like your aunties, are you okay? Your mama's okay. Some of y'all grandmamas, y'all need to check in. Tell me if y'all okay. Cause they about to drop the free documentary. And then it kind of, puts it into perspective. A lot of these people that are on, you know, social media that would, you know, judge Megan the Stallion or judge the city girls or say Cardi B's too, you know, sexy or little Kim's too promiscuous, whatever. Right. Might've been some of the people at Freaknik. Right. So when you think about that, you're like, huh, you put that into a little bit of perspective there. You're like, wait a minute here. So, I even said it myself. I'm guilty of saying this when I think um, Danny Lee and the baby had their argument. I probably even said it on this podcast. I'm pretty sure I did. When I said, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that my 20s was in a time when there was no internet. You know, and it was like the internet was merging. It was, it was, we had dial up, you know, AOL, et cetera. But it wasn't like that. It wasn't the vehicle that it is today. Right. And phones, phones, you'd be lucky if you had a prepaid cell phone, if you could get one or, you know, cause those were like something else. Like, you know, what I'm you just, it was luxury. So back then or whatever, or, and even if you did have a phone, your phone didn't have a camera on it, all the stuff, the technology that we had today, it just was null and void, non-existent. So, I remember when the Danny Lee and the baby had their thing on social media and it was just like all over, went viral. I said, you know, I'm, I thank God that I was in my twenties and went through my heartbreaks and, you know, headaches pre-internet, pre-cell phone days, because gosh, you know, like this is documented for the world to see and then you can't get rid of it. Like it's one thing is, or it's already indelible in your brain, depending on how traumatic or traumatized you were from situations. You can't get rid of that. But then now it's on YouTube, so anyone can pull up anytime they want in this day and age. And I remember making that comment saying, thank God I lived in an age where technology was not the way it is today. But lo and behold, 
there still was technology. <laughs> so that's what's the funny part. To now that um, so many people are trying to get ahead of this Freaknik documentary makes me feel like, well, what's I really want to see this documentary now. What's in it? That what is really going down at Freaknik that y'all are trying to get ahead of. I've seen an article. I don't know how true it is or not because, you know, they do like a lot of um, parody newspaper articles and make it look real. So I didn't really try to cross check or reference. So I am not here to say it's true or not, but look it up for yourself. And if it is, you guys holler at me and tell me if it is. But I did see something that said a couple of successful executives from the Atlanta area are coming together with a class last uh, class action lawsuit against Hulu to get ahead of the documentary because they do not want certain things to get out. So I'm saying to myself, do you know you're on the documentary or are you just, you know, willy nilly trying to get some money? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't even know what's going on. We don't even know. It could be just the people that created the documentary telling the history of it and showing pictures of them and their crew, which is, you know, they would give permission to do so. So we don't even know what to expect. And these people are losing their mind. So what it said to me was like, look, Look at the pot calling the kettle black that turned around and got arrested. Now your footage coming out and now you're out here worried about if it's going to be, if you're going to be seen or not. Well, what were you doing to possibly be seen? You know, like, so there you go. Now, am I saying, oh, you're wrong or, you, you know, whatever the case is? No, but I will say this. I've been to Harlem week. I've been to, um, plenty of block parties. I've been to Miami. You know what I'm saying? I've been to different um, parties, clubs of the wide variety. Okay, so if they're going to go to a place called Freaknik, I'm not shocked to hear what goes down or to see what possibly goes down because that's the goal of going there. You know, so... We'll see what, what what comes about of this documentary. But woof, when I tell you people are in a tailspin, people are trying to get therapy, people are trying to get lawyers, people are trying to, you know, block their pages. I'm like, dude, we don't even know. And then I see the meme that summed it up all so sweetly for me. It said, don't worry, Ma, you good. You were about 80, 90 pounds heavier than you were at, than you were at Freaknik. Nobody recognized you. Your secret's safe. I thought that was kind of hilarious because it's kind of true, right? If they're saying it's the aunties and the grandmas and the mamas that was at Freaknik, and if it was, then, you know, that's 40, 50, 60, right? So maybe not everybody might look the same. Might be one or two that kind of looks closely similar to the way they looked in the past, but might be a few of them that has changed. So, you know, give yourself that grace of letting the documentary come out for the rest of us to see and see if we recognize you. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was funny. So I wanted to share that with y'all. Like, how do y'all feel about that? Do you think that, um, is more so the hip hypocrisy of it all, why they're upset about it, because a lot of these people will be the same ones that would say these young girls are doing too much and the BBLs and they show their bodies off. Or is it just like, yo, this is a dawn, it's been happening since the dawn of time. Like we just need to stop shaming each other and accepting it and past, present or future. This is life. We're human, right? Like, so tell me where you guys fall in. I'm curious to find out, but, um, 
me, I am interested in seeing a documentary, child. First of all, I know I ain't on it, so I ain't worried about that. But second of all, I've just never been to Freaknik, so I'm looking forward to seeing what it, you know, what it was about. Especially '94, that was the height of Trife. Like, Luke, put it this way, like I was saying earlier, but I cut my own self off. I went to Harlem Week one year, and um, this was the year. I'm I'm a shorty. I'm a shorty. I kid you not. But this was the year that um. I don't know. Luke found his way to New York. I want to ride. I want to, you know, do the brown, do the brown, do the brown. You hear that joint coming down the block, going up the block, going around the corner, on the train, on the cat in the cab, like on the bus. You're gonna hear do the brown, hey, hey, and more hey. That was the anthem in New York. First of all, the way New York rocked that song, you would have thought Luke was from New York. Don't play with us. Like we love that song. That's part of our our fiber you know so shout out to luke miami florida you know what i'm saying i'm out here in florida i know how they do i love florida however back then harlem block party we was out there let me tell you we was chilling we was walking me and my homegirls and we were like about 14 15 you know and we're like kids and you know kids are the most energetic you even see it nowadays when it's coming to the dances and these you know new dances they're going in they're going crazy and we're like damn we ain't dance like that back in the days we did a little two-step we did a little running man like what the hell's all this shit you know but you still have your energy like that right and back then i was like about 14 years old all i know is Somebody pulled up and they were like, I want to ride, I want to ride, I want to, I want to ride. Everybody, like, the whole area of people just went into a trance and went crazy and started dancing on poles, on cars, on each other. Everyone went crazy. And some people went real crazy. Like, I can't lie. I got on, like, the hood of the car. I was like, hey, 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 more, hey, do my little dances or whatever like that. But I'm pretty sure I wasn't raunchy at all compared to the rest of them out there. And this was just a regular Harlem week block party. You know what I'm saying? There's people out there. This is not a freak nick. And they went ham. So... I can only imagine if the freak Nick is the name of the occasion, expect the name to be in attendance. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So I don't think people should be, um, but I think this is what I, this is how I feel. I told you this episode is just my opinions. I think that's what I'm going to call this episode. My opinions. Cause it's just random opinions on random topics. Right? So in my opinion, I feel like, you were at probably at your freest at the Freaknik. Relive the memory, honey. Enjoy it. Now, if you was raunchy, I don't advise you showing it to the grandkids now. Don't say like, hey, that's mama's cheeks up on the police officer's shoulder. No, no, no. Don't do that. I'm not saying to do that. But we should all be able to experience, you know, freeness and inhibition, you know, life without restraints at some point in time if your time just so happened to be 1994 freak nick hey what can you say and then some people might be like oh these kids are raunchy now is different now i don't really think so what i think is different is it's technology so we get to see it in more of a real time versus 29 years later right 
So, or she's 40 years later. I don't even know at this point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it's 29 years later that you're seeing it. And that's what I'm saying. So, at the same time, I think that um, just give yourself grace. If you was on a Hulu documentary, that's my opinion about it. Give yourself grace. And also, I would be on some, this is me now. I had never been to it because I was, you know, I was kind of like a um, late bloomer. So they would have not even paid me any attention at Freaknik anyway, to be honest with you. You know, I was built like a little boy. Skinny and no ninnies. But anyway, but if it was me and I was at Freaknik, and, uh, you know, first of all, I'm going to need to get that royalty check because you got my booty cheeks on Hulu. Second of all, if you see me, I might sign your cheeks, sign an autograph on your cheek. Yeah, yeah, that was me, mama and auntie at Freaknik. Just enjoy it. I remember one time years ago, pre-internet action as well, Eve was a stripper. You know the rapper Eve? Who's that girl from Philly? Love Eve. Love everything about her. Pure elegance. Regal lady. But back then, it was a time she was a stripper. And there was a picture of her going around with a girl doing fellatio on her. And there was a picture that someone took. And then later on when she blew up, they was like, Eve was a stripper. Eve, we got pictures to prove it. And sure enough, it was her. Sure enough, the action was being, the deed was being done. And they said to her, like, I guess, you know, in passing in the interview, not even, it wasn't even like an interview. It was like the news reporter seen her in passing or like one of the magazine journalists, a journalist. And she was coming out from somewhere, maybe a restaurant or whatever. And it was like, Eve, do you want to st- do you have anything to say about the picture of, of you circulating around? And she was like, if you got a copy, I'll autograph it and walked away. I was like, I love her. Best answer ever. What you going to say to someone that say that they going to autograph the picture. They, you know, of what I just described previous to this. So then, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, they took their power back. So I think that's what the Hulu people should do. If you, or the Freaknik people, I should say. That's what you should do. Take your power back. Sign them autographs. Get your 15 minutes of fame. You might not even look the same. So you could be like, yeah, that look, mama was doing it. Look how mama was doing it. I, I mean, if you are that type of mama, I don't know. Maybe don't show the kids, but it still could be a, a nice reminiscent moment. And then also, we don't even really know what to expect. So calm down, everyone. Let's see. But if you feel you might be on the documentary, just give yourself grace. That's all. Don't don't beat yourself up. Don't, you know, feel like, oh, my God, you know, why did I do this? You were young, wild, and free. <laughs> That's what we can say about that. That's my opinion on that. Um, Let's see. So I'm not going to keep you long because you know I can go another two hours. And I I owe you a lot of hours, so you will be getting some. And we're going to be really getting the setup back in effect, you know, for you. It's not even the – it's going to be a new setup. So I'm, I've been talking about it for a long time. We've been investing in it. We've been working on it. And I think we worked it so hard to the point that we want perfection. And sometimes you can't wait for perfection. That's what I'm coming to learn here. So um, – I do want to let you know that, that I do owe you guys that I love you all. I love the fact that, um, my, um, 
Spotify recap for the year for 2022, which I probably didn't even tell you guys about, was one of my best years. So many listeners, so many new subscribers. So shout out to all of you out there. And I know you're probably like, what the hell? I subscribed to this girl. Did she just disappear? Not at all. I've been doing so many things to better myself, health-wise, financially-wise, family-wise, just being a better person to society. Shit, even animals. You know what I'm saying? I got like... I don't even know where I get all these freaking animals from. I don't know. It's like in my old age, I'm an animal mama. There you go. But um, I love it. I love spreading love. And they say when you come into a point where you in, in, you're connecting to your higher self, they say people come up to you to tell you everything. They talk to you. That has been happening a lot to me in the last couple of months. They say animals come to you and seek shelter you because they feel safe. Literally, I've come across all type of animals, they just be wanting to come to me, and I'd be like, what the hell, and um, just family and friends seek you out, people seek you out, like, hey, we want to come see you, hey, how are you, we, you know, and I'm grateful for it, I feel like it's blessings, and um, I definitely want to pay it forward by taking some time out to see family, and see friends, and travel more, and get out, so that's what I've been really doing, and um, just living life, off of social media, like off of all of this for a little bit. But I'm back. I'm back. You need to clear your head for a little bit. You need to take off your shoes, walk barefooted, stand in the grass, get grounded. It never, ever hurts. Always feels good. So, I mean, I know I went into the rant and a tangent, and I don't care. I don't care, okay? Because that's what it's about. I'm trying to come back into the rig and get back on track for you. So I miss y'all. I just wanted to share that with y'all. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about recently is so much stuff. I be, you know, you know me, I'm a podcaster. However, I try to keep it in the middle of the road. I'm trying not to be sued like, you know, some people out there by female rappers. And I'm trying not to be part of the man versus woman, those manifests versus tea parties or whatever. And the reason why I try not to be is because I literally can see both sides of the argument at times. Right. And I really feel like as an outsider looking in, I feel like it's just a lack of communication. To me, it seems like it's a lot of brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, um, boyfriends and girlfriends, all bitter. And all broken, you know, based on the experience that they have with the opposite sex, right? And so they feel like you're ruined, you're destroyed, and not realizing that they're destroying themselves in the process. And another thing that I notice is you don't really see that in a lot of other cultures. Like, you don't see a lot of, you know, other women talking about their men as bad as some of them are, right? You don't hear them talking about them, and vice versa. You don't see a lot of men not protecting their women in other cultures, regardless of what they got going on. Cause some women are wild in other cultures, but they could do whatever they want. You can't do that to them, you know? So I can see both sides of it, but I feel like I hope in the near future, we can find a happy medium where we can gain a sense of understanding. Cause that's the only way our community will strengthen overall. And we would once again, have strong families strong family bonds and strong family households, you know, the nuclear kind with, you know, 
the mother, the father of two parents, you know, not even saying mother, father, two parents, however y'all want to make it up, that dynamic is on you, but you know, black people in love. I think and personally, you know, the fight that, you know, is out there is the black man loving the black woman and the vice versa, the black woman loving the black man. I feel like, um, it's a lot of opportunity for us to heal because we have to heal separately and then collectively in order to move forward and find the beauty in each other again. You know, it's like, I, I feel like we're quickly becoming that race that don't like what it see when we look at each other, you know, like, uh, I don't want my kids to look like that. I don't want, you know, and it's sad. It's, it's, it saddens me, but I try not to get involved in that too tough because I have some really strong opinions about that. And I also have a lot of people that I care about from all walks of life. You know, the funny side of it is I'm trying and I'm learning not to care as much because some of those people will bite you in your face. <laughs> the same people you cared about. So, you know, pick and choose your battles wisely. That's what I say about that. You know, just pick and choose your battles wisely. But, um, I don't know. I'm going to go into a little tidbit about life in thirds. Life in thirds is the latest single that we dropped. Like I told you earlier in this episode from, well, colossal TV, colossal beats did the beats. Um, I'm rapping. I wrote the lyrics, and we recorded over here at Dose Record Studio, The Mint, and we submitted it for consideration to the Queens of Hip Hop Volume 2, and it was accepted in Berlin, Germany. So the song is on all streaming platforms. I am going to play it tonight for you all, but I want to give you a little insight on it before I leave. Um, if you listen to a lot of my music as of lately, I've been going inward. It's almost like shadow work, looking at myself, looking at, you know, how did I become the person I am? Happy with it or not? Satisfied or not? You know, looking for room to grow or whatever. How did I arrive here? And I had to do some inward viewing, right? And I think the best way for me to do that is through song. That's the way that I'm able to express myself freely for myself, but then also allowing my listeners to get a little bit more insight into who I am, how I think, and um, what I'm up to, I guess, all at the same time. So Life in Thirds is really just that. It's like a, a story. It's about me. It's about me telling you about starting out in high school. I didn't go back to like birth, you know, in the Bronx, et cetera, but definitely was living in the Bronx in high school and, um, went to high school of fashion industries in Manhattan and, um, went there for fashion merchandising. Ironically, I always had always merchandising for me, but fashion merchandising back then. And I rap. I did, you know, a lot of mixtapes, a lot of talent shows, would go from borough to borough to rhyme and, you know, show my skills off. So that was my mind frame when I was in high school. And so I, I would go literally from the Bronx to Queens to Staten Island back to the Bronx. And my mother would be like, how was school? And I'm like, it was fine. 
cut school nah not every day but you know depending on what's going on like if LL Cool J is having a um a video shoot audition for Roundaway Girl I am a Roundaway Girl I'm going to the audition cut in school but anyway even though I didn't put that tidbit in the song that's a tidbit because I said I'm gonna what I'm gonna start doing is sharing some fun stories with you guys about my life stories that I've shared with people over the years and um, I said you know what why not entertain my audience <laughs> so you're gonna be in for a treat because I've done one or two of them over time over the last couple of seasons of she can talk but I'm really gonna make this I'm gonna drive this home for you guys and really stay committed to that for you guys but long story short you know, stuff, it had to make sense. And it had to nine times out of ten be music related for me to like break the law of like cutting school or not obeying my mother request for something because music just superseded everything. Music always been my life. So, yeah, there you go. So, this song basically talks about me just telling about different times in my life. And how everything always comes back to music for me. So from high school, you know, I went to the high school of fashion industries. I modeled for Liz Claiborne. I modeled for Donna Karen. I did I did fashion shows. I did, I did thousand dollar a plate charity fashion shows where it was like celebrities. Some of these people, like I know RuPaul was at one. That was my first time ever seeing RuPaul, I was in 10th grade. I didn't know who RuPaul was, but he had just dropped that video for the work it girl. You better work. Cover girl. Work it girl. I'll never forget that because they shot that video in Manhattan and I just remember it all. So he was at the event. It was a whole bunch of different celebrities, fashion designers, and I had to model in that event. You know, so I've done so many different things just from going to the high school that I went to, but music was my life, you know, so I would be in Manhattan and it's the fashion district. You'd be walking around tall, slim, size two, five, 11 girl. They're like, um, you need to model. How do you feel about taking some headshots? Like they would just stop me all the time. And my mom would be like, they're going to put you in a porno- pornography. And yeah, she scared the hell out of me. Like, thanks, mom. I think that's all you think I'm good for. Okay. Virgin, but okay. But anyway, so not because of my mother scaring me or nothing like that. I, my heart always been in music. But I did do a couple of fashion shows. I did, you know, do a couple of um, photo shoots and stuff like that. Magazine spreads, etc. Not gonna lie, I, I did it. It was a thing. You lived in Manhattan. Well, excuse me. I lived in the Bronx, but I went to school in Manhattan. I went to the high school of fashion industries. And the the designers literally came to our school for anywhere from talent to talent. Meaning from if you have skills with design, you know, sewing, tailoring, seamstress, to actually modeling the gear. You know, they came to us for a lot of it. So, you know, it was it was it was the norm. And I would always tell them the same thing, like, yo, man, you're gonna see this face, but I'm gonna be rapping. I'm gonna be rapping. It's like what? You need to model, you need to do this. Like, you know, in some ways I wish that I let them talk me out of it and I modeled instead. Cause if someone would have told me that this road would have been full of the shittiest bull <laughs> 
I would have went to modeling for sure. But, um, you know, you can't cry over spilled milk. It's a rough road, and here we are, right? It makes you stronger. They say what don't kill you make you stronger. So this is what Life in Thirds is about. If you look it up, Google Life in Thirds. You might see my song now, but you might also see this practice that a lot of psychiatrists or psych- is like a part of the psychological world. What they say, evaluate your life in thirds. You can get a better understanding of who you are and how you arrived where you're at. So it's almost like you take your age, you divide it by three, and then you break up. So like say if you divide it by three to come up with a seven. So you break up from, you know, one to seven. From eight to, you know, 16, like you break it up into seven year increments for the first, you know, three parts. It's a, you break it into three parts and you divide it by your age and you break it up that many years into three parts. And then it allows you to kind of really focus on a point in time instead of like your whole life holistically. So you could be like, you know, Oh, I was wilding. Oh, I lived a great life. Even just like with the Hulu people, they so they all collectively forgot they were free, at Freaknik in 94 until this documentary, right? So you can put things and tuck them away in your mind and it's like it never happened, but it did. And, you know, for certain reasons, it could be healing. It could be trying to deal with trauma, trying to just, you're getting old, you forget various reasons why that would happen, why you wouldn't forget all, why you wouldn't remember all details, but doing a thing like life in thirds allows you to do that. It allows you to kind of say, you know what? I forgot about when I was 12 years old and you know, my mom's boyfriend or my stepdad at the time took us to great adventures on a whim on a Sunday afternoon. Like who does that? Like my mom was like a true planner, which I think I get a lot of that from her. Well, like if we're going to the beach, I'm, I got to make food. I got to pack these bags. I got to, and you're bringing like 80 extra pounds with you to the beach where you should be carefree and relaxing, you know? Whereas her boyfriend at the time, when we were young kids back then, he was always like spur of the moment. Like we're going to the beach and we go and have the best day of our lives, you know, eating hot dogs from, you know, Coney Island, Nathan's hot dogs and at the beach, you know, he'll just wake up and be like, you know what? We're going, we're not going to church today. We're going to great adventures, you know, center into a tailspin, but we had a blast at great adventures. So you forget those little things that were really, really significant to you because life just comes at you fast, right? One day you're 12, next day you're 22, next day you're 32. So that's how you got to look at it. Like, you know, so that's what I did with this song. I kind of just broke down myself, but instead of doing thirds, I kind of cheated you guys out of the third, but I kind of didn't. So you would have to listen to it. I started out in high school. So the reason why I said cheated you out of a third, cause I didn't go from birth to high school, right? I started out of high school, then I went to college and then, you know, present day, but I think it's totally a great song, like not even to like toot my own horn. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the reception it has received so far. And I, I'm looking forward to more exposure for it. You know, we're even thinking, you know, I might have to put some visuals to it because I, you guys haven't seen me in a couple of years. So I need to get some visuals out for y'all. However, at the same time, I, I, I also love the song because 
it's true to me. It's me telling you about me. And a lot of people will tell their rendition of you, but no one can tell your story better than you. You know, so it's a very an abstract way. It's very gongly. That's the only way I could tell you about that, you know, but it's still my attempt of letting you guys in. You know, that's been my goal since, you know, 2021 when I said, you know, I'd rather not write music versus putting out just whatever to say I got something out. I really took my time, stepped back and I give you stuff from the heart. Sometimes it could be a, a a bop. You could be dancing to it. Sometimes you might be smoking weed to it, thinking about your own life. Sometimes you might want to make a baby to it because we got some more stuff coming. But I am happy to say that I am doing music that I like. I'm doing me, you know? And I'm sharing that with you on Life in Third. So we're going to leave you right here. And I want you to know that Life in Thirds is streaming on all digital streaming platforms. It's on the Queens of Hip Hop Volume 2. You know the MC Gangali in the building. And if you didn't know on Gangali on all streaming platforms, we got Man Can't Curse, Moon Rocks, The Coldest Ever, Obvious, plus so much more in the discography. Go check it out if you haven't. If you haven't checked out all of the She Can Talk episodes after this one, just keep on going down the list. You can start there too. But um, until next time, y'all, you know my motto. You got to love on yourself in order to love on me, right? You can't love me if you don't love you. And spread love is the Brooklyn way. It's the only way at this point in time because you already know how we living in these times, right? Everything is crazy, so Let's show each other grace, lead with love for sure. And you know, my last but not least, if you like it, tell a friend. If you don't like it, tell a friend. It ain't going to hurt either way, y'all. She could talk to podcasts. I'm your girl, Colleen, and I'm out. Till next time. Much love. Peace. I was so damn cool, I knew the nerds and the thugs on the block Still did my schoolwork, even when I cut class Never ever once did I ever get caught Riding the D-train, yeah, you're the D-train Uptown, BX, where we keep it hot Then we headed downtown, all the way downtown Delancey, Canal Street, when we wanna shop Ended up in Midtown, then 34th Street Every other block now, I'm getting stopped Wanna be on movies, maybe on TV Always told them I'm gonna rock I'ma make them jump, I'ma make them sway I'ma make them say my name every day I'ma be heavy on radio plays Always told them remember this face My calling My calling I'm anointed They talking But I walk in My calling I'm anointed They talking Then I went to college Seeking more knowledge Didn't go to class So I dropped out Fell back on rapping Paid went battling So went to end up With the music crowd Worked telemarketing Tended barring Even spent a few nights In the trap Then I realized Music is my life 
so I focus more on writing raps Did more mixtapes, just trying to relate Never ever once did I chase any clout Made a couple mistakes, so I got some hate But none of them could ever take me out And then I started working hard, got me two jobs Still get equipment for my own stew Used to pray that time open up Now I just get up and do what I wanna do And it feels good, as it all should Now I wake up to a nice little view Went from the hood to estates in the woods While they play catch up on my last move What they don't know, it's hard going rogue Gotta prepare for a long hard road And it gets rough when you fight for your own But being me is all I know My calling My calling I'm anointed Day talking